Um, just to make a few announcements, next uh, Sunday, August 16th, we're going to be having our uh, church picnic right after the second service. And we will, uh, the church will be supplying hamburgers and hot dogs, and so if you want to bring some kind of a dish to pass, it's going to be a great time. I encourage you to come. And also, um, we're going to be doing baptism. We, you, you can be baptized anytime you want, but uh, what we sometimes do is, uh, before we actually start our meal, uh, we go and we have a baptismal service. And if you are a believer, you've been saved, you're born again, and you want to give public testimony of your salvation by being baptized, either see myself or Pastor Frank Jr., and uh, we'll be happy and glad to do the baptism for you next week. And also, um, this Monday, August 10th, we're going to be uh, having our adult dinner night out at Jammers, wherever that is. And uh, someone told me it was the old Buffalo Hot Wings Sunoco Station or something like that. Quaker Steak and Lou. Okay. <laughs> I think they have really good chicken wings. But <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there. We need you to sign up so that we can make uh, reservations for that uh, as well. And um, on Sunday, September 12th, and there's a sign-up sheet out there. I'd really encourage you to sign up for it. We're going to be having a marriage seminar right here at the church. It's going to be, what's that? What did they say? Uh, okay, Saturday. It wasn't me in the yellow gear. Anyway, uh, Saturday the 12th, right, we're going to be having a marriage seminar right here at the church. It'll be from 1 to 5 with a dinner following. And if you're married or engaged, I'd really encourage you to go to it. You might be thinking, well, I've got a great marriage. Well, it doesn't make any difference. Number one, it's going to be encouraging, and it's always good to learn. Like, if I'm good at a sport, I want to learn more. I don't want to say, well, I don't need to go any to any training camps. I'm good at the sport. So, I really encourage you to um, sign up for that as well. And also, on Thursday, September 24th, uh, there's going to be a New Hope banquet at Driver's Village. And um, the, they're going to have as a speaker um, Benjamin Watson. Some of you might know him, played for the New England Patriots. He was an MVP. And he's going to be the keynote speaker. And New Hope Pregnancy Crisis Center is something we all should be supporting because it encourages young women to go through with their pregnancy. You know, I was uh, in the car yesterday, and I don't know where I was going. I never know where I'm going. But I was in the car yesterday driving around, and I had uh, uh, the Calvary Christian Station on. And they're doing an interview of um, this guy from California. Some of you might have heard about him, read about him. But he actually did an undercover journalist story about Planned Parenthood selling baby parts. And they're suing him not because they feel what he shared was wrong, but because he did it secretly. And when you think about the fact that in, 19, in, in 2017, the leading cause of death in the United States of America was abortion. Think about it. And they're selling, Planned Parenthood is, they're selling baby parts. They're funded by the government. This is sick. And we get so upset over some things, and we just kind of let certain things just fly by. We shouldn't. Those baby bottles, by the way, out in the lobby that are in that basket, that's for uh, New Hope Pregnancy Crisis Center. What we encourage you to do is take it home, just store your change in it. When it's full, bring it back. And last year, we contributed 
you know, a nice amount to, to a New Hope Pregnancy Crisis Center. So I encourage you to take one of those as well. But I, I, it, really, it really gets me when I think about Planned Parenthood, and not only Planned Parenthood, but just some of these other things that are going on. Do you know every 73 seconds in the United States of America, a woman is assaulted? Do you know how many young people, young women mostly, are kidnapped and sent into the sex trafficking? And the United States is, I said last week it was number two. I just heard a radio broadcast this week, same broadcast, saying it was number one in the using of these women. We live in a very sick and perverted world. And the only true light that ever can be shown is that of Jesus Christ. And you are the light of the world. You, the believer. And we need to let our light shine. We get so upset about, I mean, think about, and I'm not saying anything one way or another, but think about all the fear that's going on because of COVID-19. And yet these things have been going on for years and no one even talks about it. We don't do anything about it. Well, I'm just getting... A little worked up because I that does bother me. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the very fact that we can be born again of that Spirit and have new life in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill us to overflowing with that dunamis power that we might be able to go out and do the work, any work that you call us to do in faith. Believing, Lord, that you alone are able to save lost souls. And so, Father, come and minister to us this morning through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I'm in Numbers. If you'd like to turn to Numbers chapter 33, we will be picking up in verse 1. Numbers 31 or 33, I'm sorry, Numbers 33, verse 1. You know, I, I've read this verse a number of times, but in, in Romans 15, 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. We have hope. We have hope of deliverance from self, deliverance from sin, Deliverance from all the ways of this world to be able to walk with the Lord in, in holiness and righteousness and feel the joy and peace that only he's able to give. You know, it, it's so sad that so many people don't realize that life is not about this life. Life's about the life to come. God created man for one reason, to have fellowship and worship with him. Now, there are some people that think, well... You know, uh, I, I think uh, there's no big deal if we agree with evolution and so forth. Number one, and being a science major, evolution is probably the most unscientific theory you'll ever hear, that there was noth nothing and it exploded, and so then chaos became order. And that goes completely against the laws of thermodynamics. The reality is, why was evolution pushed so hard by the world? Because if you believe in evolution, there can't be a God. But if you believe in creation, which I do, which is the only thing that makes sense, then there has to be a God. Because there has to be a creator that took chaos and made it everything that we see around us. There has to be a God who did all this, who stands outside of time and space 
there's a God who is able to reach down into his creation and to do marvelous things. God created man, and we know this from the very beginning of Genesis, Adam and Eve. He created them that they might have fellowship with him. That's our purpose. That's our reason. Now, as we live in this life, we have our jobs, we have our you know, responsibilities, and we should do those with all of our heart. But in reality, the bottom line is we belong to Jesus, and that is our very purpose and reason. Because here's what we have to understand. When we leave this life, which we all will, if we're saved, possibly in the rapture, but we're all going to leave this life, what lies ahead? Scripture is the only thing that gives us the promise. To be absent from the body as a believer is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so when we consider all these things, and, and Romans is telling us everything that was written in the past was written for our learning, because when we're looking into this portion this morning, it's all talking, it's talking about the journey of the children of Israel to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. And that's what the Lord God desires to give us. Now, even though this portion, as we, I'm not going to read the whole thing for obvious reasons, but even though this portion might seem tedious, on closer inspection, it demonstrates to us how God is concerned about every step of our walk with him, every step of our life. Because in this whole portion, it's telling us the children of Israel went from here to there, went from here to there, went from here to there. And I'll read part of it. But we have to realize is that it is the Lord. You know, a man plans his way, but a Lord guides his step. That's what it tells us in Proverbs, if you take notes, Proverbs 16, 9. And um, the thing is, we as believers, we want to always be moving, but hopefully that movement is forward not in circles. A lot of times our movement is in circles, like the children of Israel in the wilderness. We want to be moving forward. So in Numbers chapter 33, starting with verse 1, these are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journeys at the command of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to to their starting points. And I love it. It says, according to their starting points. And we'll talk about that in a moment. They departed from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, on the day after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with boldness in the sight of all the Egyptians. For the Egyptians were, were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had killed among them. Also, uh, on their gods, the Lord had executed judgment. Then the children of Israel moved from Ramses, and they camped at Sukkoth. Now, when you talk about it was judgment on their gods, uh, I don't know if you remember when we were covering the plagues that God brought on Egypt, every one of those plagues were in defiance of their gods. Like they worshipped, you know, the, the uh, Red Sea. And, of course, we know that Moses touched the Red Sea and it became his blood. Now, move down to verse 10. They moved from Elam, and they camped by the Red Sea. They moved from the Red Sea and camped in the wilderness of sin. It's interesting. I mean, it's not the same word as we use in the Hebrew. It's a different word, but it's interesting that they camped in the wilderness of sin. 
Now move down to verse 38. Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there in the 14th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. Now, one of the things that we take note of here is that the Lord is giving their starting points and then telling us where they went to after that. And we have to realize it's good for us to take note of our starting point in order to have a proper understanding of where we're going. For instance, think about this. If you called the airlines or called your travel agent and said, yeah, uh, I'd like to book tickets to California. And they said, well, where are you coming from? I don't know. I'd like to book a ticket for California. Well, you have to have a starting point. You understand what I mean? In order to book your ticket. Well, we have to have a starting point. It's called being born again. Unless a man is born again, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. And so we have to realize, when we talk about being born again, a lot of people don't understand what that means. Remember what Nicodemus said to Jesus when he came to him by night? He said, shall a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said to him, said to him how can you be a teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? What's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. He was making the point that being born again isn't being born of the flesh again. It's being born of the spirit, having a new spirit put in you, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And so we have to realize we have a starting point. We have to be born again, and then the Lord is able to take us on our journey. And sometimes our journey, like I mentioned, is in the right direction, and sometimes we go in circles, and you guys all know what I'm talking about here. Now, it's interesting that God gives exact details of their journey because it speaks to us that the Lord is concerned about the exact detail of all of our journeys with him. We have to understand the Lord never loses us. It's like, hey, where's Frank? Where is he? He knows where I am. He knows where you are every moment, every instant of the day. And if we're willing to surrender to him, he leads us. Because here's an interesting thing. If you want to, to follow someone, you have to let them lead. If you're not letting them lead, then you're ahead of them. Sometimes we do that in the flesh. Well, Lord, I'll take over from here. And then we end up falling in a pit, as Scripture tells us. We need to allow the Lord to lead us. We need to be willing to follow him. Now, the journey of every single one of us is different, but we're all going to the same place. Understand what I mean? It's just like if we're going to, uh, you know, California. You might be going from Florida. You might be going from, you know, Massachusetts. You might be going from New York. You might be going from, you know, to Idaho, whatever. We're all, you know, our journeys might be a little bit different, but we're going to the same place. And I say that because some people think that we need to be cookie-cutter Christians. Well, this is the way this person's Christian walk is. That's how mine should be. Not necessarily. I mean, the Lord is going to hold us responsible to his word, but all of our journeys might be a little bit different. And the Lord might have different purposes for each one of us in that journey. But we have to be willing to follow because all the details were given in this portion of Scripture, it demonstrates how involved the Lord is with every aspect of every one of our lives. 
God is concerned about you personally. That's the thing that's wonderful about Christianity. It's not like we are the Borg, you know, and we are one. <laughs> no, it's not like that at all. We are individuals, and the Lord ministers to us and through us as individuals. And so, therefore, you are important. And so we have to allow God to do his work in us and through us. You know, there's never a time that he's not leading us. Never a time. Sometimes we uh, go off in the wrong direction. And you know what? The Lord will lead us right back. He's always trying to lead us. Just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. He tried to lead them right over the Jordan into the promised land, but in fear they didn't cross. But he was still leading them. We know from this portion of scripture here that we just that we read and, and the rest of that chapter, he was leading them from place to place. But if you get a map, you'll find they're going in circles. Until that generation of unbelievers all died, and then a new generation actually went in to the land of promise. The thing we have to understand is that we're blessed in the fact that we live under grace and not the law. Because there's a huge difference between grace and the law. Under the law, those people who refused to cross over the Jordan into the promised land, they all died in the wilderness. But for you and I, under grace, if we refuse to go in because of fear, like they were, we can just say, God, forgive me. And he does, and he gives you another chance, and he gives you another chance, and he gives you another chance. Because God so loves us that he's willing to give us opportunity after opportunity. I mean, think about this. We're going to be doing a marriage seminar, you know, coming up in September. If you got married expecting your spouse to be perfect, and the first time they made a mistake, you said, well, I guess that's it. We're done. Nobody would be married. But the fact is, we're willing to forgive one another. We're willing to encourage one another. And we're willing to give one another another chance and another chance in those difficult areas. I mean, when you get married, it's two people becoming one, but the reality is there are a lot of things you have to work out in becoming one. You guys know what I mean. Because we all grew up with different, you know, maybe traditions and backgrounds, and we come together, there's got to be that blending. But we have to be willing to make those changes that are necessary for our relationship to be right. But the wonderful thing is, in our relationship with the Lord, he never makes a mistake. He's never wrong. It's always us. So we need to learn how to just allow the Lord to knock off all those rough edges that we might come into complete fellowship with him. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. Now, it's interesting that the next major event we come to in this particular portion of Scripture is the death of Aaron. And Aaron was 123 years old when he died. And we're going to find, and I'll read the portion in, in a moment, that uh, Moses was 120 when he died. They died in the same time period, just before they entered into the Promised Land. So that means that Aaron was three years older than his brother Moses. Some people think he was a lot older, you know, but he was three years. That's it. Now, if you want to turn with me to, to uh, Deuteronomy uh, 34, that's the next book, which, by the way, we start next month 
will be in Deuteronomy. But if you go to Deuteronomy 34 and verse 1, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pishgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali in the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain and the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over. And then in verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. Listen to this. His eyes were not dim, nor his, na- his natural vigor, vigor diminished. His eyes were not dim, and his natural vigor had not diminished at all. You know, and you look at that and you say, man, I wish I knew his diet and exercise program. I mean, he's 120 years old, and he's just as spry as ever. But actually, we do know his diet and exercise program. He ate manna and walked all day. So, (laughs) I don't think, I wish we could get manna, huh? Now, the thing we have to understand is that this generation of Israelites, this generation of unbelievers, they were gone. Because any of those who refused out of fear to enter into the promised land, they died in the wilderness. And so it was a new generation entering in. So it almost makes sense that they would have uh, new leaders. And so we have to understand and realize that in the same way, in our progression to the promised land, we have to be willing to have changes take place in our life as well. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. So we have to examine ourselves. Are we in the faith? Are we walking the way the Lord wants me to go? I'm willing to test myself. And, and if, if I'm shown to be, have some wrong uh, areas of my life that need to be changed, I'm willing to do it because I want to be where the Lord wants me to be. Because we are not what we were, but we're also not what we're going to be. And that's a beautiful promise we have from God. And you know... I wish everyone in the, in, in the entire world was saved, knew Jesus Christ and was born again. Because when I look back in my life, I mean, before, I didn't come to the Lord until I was 30. When I look back in my life, I'm so thankful because I thought before I came to Jesus Christ, I was really a cool dude. I mean, I really did. You know, I played football in high school, I was, you know, all city, and, you know, went in the army, and then went to college, and, you know, went and, you know, got, got degrees, and found a beautiful wife, and got married, and had two beautiful children, and I thought, man, I really had it made, and I can still remember, we had a house in Big Flats, New York, we lived there for how many years, 20, 11 years, I knew it was uh, close to 20, 11 years, and, uh, that's why I have a wife. My memory's like, but we lived there for 11 years, and we had the house built. It was in the country, and I remember standing in front of the picture window. I was teaching, had a good job, um, you know, had a wife and, and two, 2.4 children. You know, that was the average back then. 
But anyway, I had a wife and two children, and I remember standing in the window and looking out the window and saying, what's wrong with me? Because I had such a sense that something was missing. I had such a sense of that. And then, through a series of events, thankfully, I was brought to a place where I was uh, introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I made the best decision of my life. I accepted him to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And my life changed. You have to understand, you know, even though I was a teacher, I was a boozer. Never drank during the week. But the minute Friday night came, I was drunk until I went back to school Monday. I used to smoke two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. And, I mean, I was a man of the world, but I thought it was cool. And the Lord took hold of my life, and he changed me. And it wasn't like he had to convince me. He showed me the reality of who I was. He showed me the reality of my life and where I was going. And I said, oh, God, change me. And he did. He came in, and he changed me. And then I found out what life was really about. I found out what real peace was. I found out what real direction was. It was a beautiful thing. Now understand, it's not an easy thing. Because we're going to find out in just a moment. It's one thing to be saved. But when you cross over that Jordan into the promised land, you're going to find some giants facing you. We lost most of our friends. They didn't want to hang out with us anymore. You know, Frank, you were so funny when you were drunk. I'm still funny. <laughs> but anyway, um, they didn't want to hang out with us. We lost friends. I mean, it really became very, very difficult. But that's why I love what it tells us in 1 John 3, verses 2 through 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in himself, in him, talking about in the Lord Jesus Christ, purifies himself just as he is pure. And this is a continuing process. The Lord purifies us, and he continues to purify us because we get dirty. We get our feet dirty, the whole washing of, of Peter's feet. That's what that was all about. When we're in the world, we're, already, we're saved, but we get our feet dirty. We need to have that continual purifying process from the Lord. And so the first stage of their journey was exodus from Egypt, and they crossed over the Red Sea. This has nothing to do with my message, but uh, one of our trips to Israel, Frank, my son and I, back there who preaches you know, here as well, just joking, but uh, Frank and I, went snorkeling in the Red Sea. All kinds of beautiful tropical fish. It was absolutely beautiful. It has nothing to do with the message, but I just thought I'd tell you about it. Anyway, um, the first stage of our Christian journey is crossing over the Red Sea. Because when they crossed over the Red Sea, the children of Israel, they were delivered from slavery. When we cross over the Red Sea and are born again, we're delivered from slavery. Because we were slaves to our flesh and sin. Now we still deal with it, but we're not slaves to it. Now we belong to Jesus Christ. We're his bondservant. And so the Israelites, think of how they were set free from bondage in Egypt. 
by the blood of a lamb that was sprinkled on the lentil and doorposts of their house. We all know the story of the Exodus. And how are we set free from sin and death? By the sprinkling of the blood of the lamb on our heart. On the lentil and doorposts of our heart, we're born again. We're a new creation. We're freed. Thank God I'm free. Remember Martin Luther King said that? I'm free. At last I'm free. Thank God Almighty I'm free. The only freedom we have is not in this life. It's in Jesus Christ. It's the only freedom we have. Now, also, like with the Israelites, we have to come to a place where we also have to cross over the Jordan. Now, many people have taught, you know, probably for years, that crossing over the Jordan is analogous to death, you know, leaving this world and passing into heaven. But that's not the case. Pastor Frank Jr. brought that out last week. Because when they crossed over the Jordan, they had a lot of fights and battles with the Canaanites. When we go to heaven, there's no battles. <laughs> it's heaven. So when it's talking about crossing over you know, the Jordan River, it's talking about going from that place to where you're saved to really being a disciple of Jesus Christ, to really being a warrior for the Lord. You see, there are a lot of people that get saved, and they just want to wander around in the wilderness of Sinai for the rest of their life. We want to get saved and cross over into usefulness to the Lord. Now, I'm going to sound like my son Frank now. Any of you guys ever see the movie Top Gun? <laughs> I can't believe I'm using movie lines. I mean, that's, that's my son's thing. But remember, um, Maverick had that whole tragedy with his you know, fr friend Goose who, who died. And then at the very end, they're out flying, you know, and I can't remember what part of the ocean it was, and they had these Russian jets coming in, and they all took off to go against the Russian jets. And then Maverick got there, and he goes, it's no good, it's no good, I can't do it. And he started turning away. And remember what, um, what was his name? The uh, other guy? Iceman, thanks, darling. Iceman said to Maverick, he said, engage, Maverick, engage. And eventually, of course, Maverick did come back and engage and won the day. Well, the thing we have to understand is we have to get engaged. There's a battle. We need to get engaged. We need to cross over that Jordan and get engaged. But we're so concerned about the, you know, the, the worries of this world that we lose sight of the victories that we can have in the Lord by crossing over. And we have to get engaged. You know, it's one thing to be a believer, but you have to be willing to be a believer, to share your faith. I mean, how often are we around certain families and friends and we never even mention Christianity because we think they're going to be angry at us or think poorly of us? Now, I'm not saying that you walk into a family reunion and you say, turn or burn, you know, you don't do that because that's just going to put, turn people off. But you have to be willing to share. Sometimes you're in conversation with family, with friends, people that you meet. You're in these conversations, and opportunity arises. Are you willing to take it? That's getting engaged. And also, the most important engagement we can have is in our relationship with the Lord. You know, Frank encouraged everyone about A.W. Tozer's book, In Pursuit of God, and uh, Dan said he read it again and just really blessed him. And Vi and I are starting to actually, we're listening to it. And um, 
what a blessing it is. And that's the whole idea that in order for us to be engaged, we have to be in real fellowship, real koinonia, real intimacy with the Lord. But so often, we're so busy doing the things of, of God, we're not with the Lord. We spend no time with the Lord. You follow what I'm saying? We can be so concerned about worship that we never worship. We need to have those times that we're with Jesus, just the two of us. You know what I'm saying? You can't always be in communion with a whole group or even with your spouse. There are those times you have to be alone with the Lord because our relationship with him is very personal. He works very differently in every one of our lives, and we need to have that, that fellowship with him. You know, um, we always have to remember that we have to, we must not only have fellowship and relationship with the Lord, but then use that for his purposes. You know, any of us who've, who've been in the military, you know when you go to basic training, no matter what your, M that's your job occupation, MOS, no matter what your MOS is going to be, you're trained as, as uh, an infantryman. That's your initial training, because every one of you are going to be going to war. So it makes no difference what our vocation is in this world. Every one of us are meant to be soldiers, meant to be infantrymen for the Lord, you know, to do the battles that God has called us to do. And that's why I love in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can give us the victory. The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we're in obedience to the Lord and traveling in the right direction, in the land of his promise, only then are we able to be doing the work God has called us to do. You know, there's no way that we can be just all caught up in the things of this world and doing all these kinds of worldly things and then think we're going to be useful to the Lord because we don't have that intimacy with him. You know, some people say, I'm so glad of the generation we're born in. Well, there's a lot of things I'm glad for the generation we're born in, too. You know, paper towels, toilet paper, you know. Anyway... You, you, I'm glad I'm in the... But there's some things I'm not glad about. Think about electronics. We should put a sign on our TV that says, Liar! <laughs> because you know what, what Vi and I have found? Is you watch the news and you get all fired up in the wrong way. You know. So the best thing is we don't watch the news. Because here's the reality. This world is passing away. The reality is we're going to be with the Lord. Everything that's happening in this world is pointing to the nearness of Jesus Christ. Think about this. I mean, really think about this. On May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation, right? They had to become a nation before the end could come. In 1967, Israel took Jerusalem. They had to have Jerusalem in order to fulfill what we're told in Revelation. And then Jerusalem is recognized as the capital by the United States and many other countries. I mean, it is their capital, but it was recognized as that. And then you have what's going on in Syria, which is north of Israel. Read Ezekiel 38. And all the nations, 
You know, Russia and Iran and Turkey and all the nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 that would attack Israel, they're there. The birth pangs are getting closer and closer. Any woman who goes into labor, I mean, I've been with my wife, I've never gone through it, but any woman who goes into labor, you know that once, once the contractions start, they don't stop. They become closer together and more intense. Well, the contractions have started. The Bible actually analogizes it to birth pangs. And we are in the midst of these birth pangs. Jesus is coming back for his church. I don't know the day nor the hour, but the Bible commands us. It says, but you are not in darkness as you know, so that this day should overtake you as a thief in the night, your children are the light children of the day. So we're supposed to be aware of the times we're living in, and we are. I mean, you talk about birth pangs, look at what's going on around us, all this craziness. And look at how quickly the, even our country, you know, the land of the free and the home of the brave, we just submit. What are we supposed to do? We just submit. Do this, we just submit. I don't know if you read the articles last week. Churches, and they're probably talking about larger churches than ours, but uh, churches that are unwilling to uh, follow the dictates of the state in relationship to you know, all this kind of stuff, they were going to turn off their power and water. Uh, Nazi Germany? You know what I'm talking about? What are we thinking? I don't know about you, but I'm more concerned about babies being killed in the womb. I'm more concerned about women being sold into sex trafficking. I'm more concerned about assault. I'm more concerned about murder and all the weird things that are happening in this world than COVID-19. I'm not saying you shouldn't take precautions. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm just saying I'm more concerned about these things. And yet, well, just kumbaya, let's close our eyes and hold hands, kumbaya, everything's fine. No, it's not fine. Jesus is coming back soon, and there are people that we know, that we love, that don't know Jesus. And the reality is, you might share Christ with them, and they might cuss you out and say, you're just an idiot. But when the rapture occurs, they're, gonna, you're, they're going to remember because the Bible, the book of Revelation, makes it very clear that after the rapture, we're going to see probably the greatest revival this world has ever seen. There are going to be so many Christians that the Antichrist is going to have to come up with a way of identifying them. And if they don't have his mark on their hand or forehead, his mark of allegiance, you know, so many weird things. There's a coin shortage. We can't use cash in a lot of places because there's a coin shortage. Nobody uses cash anymore. How can there be a coin shortage? You know what I'm saying? I mean, where's that coming from? But that's why some of these places you go in and they say, you can't use cash here. Well, what does the Bible tell us? Without buying or selling, you, can't have, you have to have the mark of the beast. All I'm trying to tell you is that we're living in the last days the coming of Jesus Christ is right on the horizon. That's where our focus needs to be. We can't allow ourselves to get caught up in the stupidity of this world. We need to be doing the work of God. Because 
As for me and my household, we'll worship the Lord. I'm not going to... I desire not to worship the things of this world. I mean, think about electronics, like I mentioned a little bit earlier. The TV is, is almost becoming the most benign part of the cancer. Have you ever had a conversation with someone? You're in the middle of a conversation. You know, it's infuriating. Take your phone and throw it out the window. But really, think about it. When someone's phone goes off, when you're with someone, when someone's phone goes off, do they just say, I'm just ignoring it. No, it's like, even if they don't go right to it, you're, you're sitting there talking to someone, your phone goes off, and they go, or, oh, I've got to take care of this. How crazy is that? Video games. We saw an advertisement for a video game when we were watching TV. <laughs> I'm not saying we're free yet, <laughs> but we want to be free. And uh, we, we actually don't have cable TV. All we have is, uh, you know, YouTube and all that. But anyway, one of these times we were watching TV, and they had an advertisement for a video game, and it was the most violent, ugly game I'd ever seen. That's what our kids are playing. We don't have family devotions, but we have family TV, we have family video games. Wow. Anyway, I don't mean to try to put anyone on any kind of a guilt trip because that's not up to me. Conviction only comes from the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, if someone isn't saved, if you're not saved, this is the day of your salvation. It's important for us to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. Now, I used to call it the three C's. There's... Uh, um, being um, convinced. Now, what was it by? There is. Yeah, convinced, convicted, and converted. There are some people that they come and they hear teachings about. See, yeah, that's why I need a wife. Uh, she, part of my memory has left me, and she's, she carries it for me. She's like a computer. You know, I just hit the memory button and it comes back on. But, um, but I used to call it the three C's because. There are sometimes people will be hearing messages and watching videos about the Lord, and they, they become convinced that probably Jesus is real. And then they have the second C, where they even become convicted of their sin. But a lot of people confuse being convicted of their sin with being converted. Converted means you're a new creation. It means you're different. And so there are a lot of people that a lot of people who come to church that are maybe convinced and even convicted of their sin, but they haven't been converted. And to become a Christian is so easy. God didn't make it complicated. You don't have to go through three months of classes to become a Christian. All you have to do is say, God, forgive me a sinner. Take over my life. That's it. And he will. Because if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, right? And so I encourage anyone here who's never been born again, today's the day of your salvation. Jesus could come back every moment. Because understand, the very day that the church is taken out of the world, God's wrath comes upon this world. He has not appointed us unto wrath, but unto salvation. And when God's wrath comes upon this world, that's it. You think this COVID scare is, is something? 
It's nothing. I mean, God is pouring out his judgment on this world because of how evil and, and, and really demonic this world has become. And so we have to realize that as believers, we need to not only be ready ourselves, pray that you're counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the face of the whole world, but we have to be willing to share our faith, to be a light, to be yeast that leavens the whole loaf, the yeast of righteousness. You know, sometimes yeast is used as sin, but it's also used the yeast of righteousness. It goes through everything. Well, I didn't mean to ramble on, but uh, I've just been so moved by the Lord concerning the times we're living in. And I think it's closer than any of us think. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, but it's close. It can't go on much further because, as Pastor Frank Jr. mentioned last week, the sin of the Amorites is full. Father, we come before you in in Jesus' name, and we thank you for the fact that your Holy Spirit is able to bring anyone to salvation, that any sin we've committed, no matter what it is, no matter what the sin is, you will forgive us, you'll purify us, and you forget about it. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that kind of willingness to share that truth with everyone we know. So come, Heavenly Father, by your wonderful Holy Spirit, and minister all your truth to us. And I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you, my dear friends.